podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello, we are all back together again for another episode of Two Slips in a Gully. I'm Aaron and I'm joined once again by Captain Gary. Hey guys, how are you? Pretty good. Welcome back. You missed last week. Yeah, mate, unfortunately. Why'd you miss last week? I had stuff to do. Was that stuff going down <laughs> to watch the cricket? It was. Oh, I- uh, fact or, <laughs> oh, look, oh, lucky look. you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how can you fault that? Uh, well, yeah. you know, I was I was doing research. I'm only yeah, I'm only true. cranky because I'm jealous. No. Oh. <laughs> And uh, and Glenn, you're here as well. Hello, yes, Glenn. I am here. Yep, not, and not a disembodied voice. <laughs> I think I've used that one before. Yeah, you oh, have. I think so. <laughs> and you may have noticed that we did have an interlude in between episodes. I had a baby boy, and we yeah. all want to congratulate Aaron. Yes, he's so proud. Future captain of Australia is yeah. resting quietly. At home at the moment, so well, we hope so. He's already like. Well, I hope he is. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, Amy's going to be really upset as soon as I leave the house and he, <laughs> and he starts yeah. up. He, he was, was asleep when I left. That's that's what I'm the line I'm sticking to. He'll have yeah. to make a guest appearance. I, I think I've seen a couple of photos, but like two or three of them are them watching cricket. Yeah, and I think I've seen four photos. He, so. <laughs> the only the, the only game of the summer he has missed has been was the first ODI, and that was because he wasn't born yet. Oh well. Yeah. I don't want to rag on him because he's only little. <laughs> it's all right. So uh, he's even watched. He's watched day. He hasn't watched the whole thing, but he's he's been sitting on my lap while we've watched the Australia A games. He's been yeah. on my lap while I've watched all the T Twenties, the two of the three ODIs. You know, he's he has his first cricket bat. I saw to that. Yeah, Glenn sorted out his first cricket bat. So yeah. That's right, his education is starting early. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Um, before we get stuck into the meat of this episode, which will, of course, be uh, breaking down the uh, ODIs and T20s between Australia and India and uh, having a look forward to the first test, I would just like to point out something. This is actually a little before your time, Gary. This is back when Scotty was with us. We had an episode, I think it was episode 9 or 10. I'd have to go, no, it would definitely be not 9. That was uh, Steve Smith, Hallowed Boy, Be, my, be Thy Name. But it was around that sort of time we had one called If I Were King for a Day. Right. Um, and in that, we postulated what we would do if we got to be in charge of the ICC and what some of the things that we would set upon, you know, changing the course of cricket, what we think would improve cricket as a sport in general across the international landscape. And uh, one of my things that I brought out was that I think the game needs to grow in the United States. And a development that's happened over the last couple of weeks um, which is actually sort of, you know, giving me that uh, pat on the back feeling that I, uh, yep. I called it. You is, are the administrator. Is the United States and the, well, the ICC itself, the new chairman has come out and said that he's actively looking to grow the game in the United States. And the United States actually started a fairly substantial um, period of recruiting foreign players who might be interested in naturalizing as an American to represent them in their T20 and one day international yeah. teams to and some familiar names there um, as well Corey oh. Anderson the uh, yeah. all three format player for um, for New, New Zealand, Zealand. Uh, he was one of them and uh, Sammy Aslam who's a former test opener for Pakistan has uh, both announced that they're going to be 
um, going on the road to uh, achieving American citizenship, being naturalised, and then being eligible to play for their teams. And the the chairman of American Cricket has said this is a, a goal that is to become a competitive nation and to win cricket games and qualify for World T20s and, and potentially World Cups. And that's, that seems a reasonable way to go about it. I mean, you want a mix of uh, a bit of homegrown talent as well, obviously, mm. in there as well. But you you need... You need someone with international experience. It was, it was a very pragmatic response. He said, ideally, we would love for the American cricket team to be made up of people that were, were born in America and went through junior cricket in America and played domestic level cricket in America and exceeded to all those, succeeded to all those levels and then subsequently were picked to represent America on the basis of their, their home form. But unfortunately, the infrastructure in America is not quite there. And the only way to make a sport more prominent in a country where it's not prominent is for it to be in the headlines. And unfortunately, the only way that you get in the headlines is to be successful. And yeah. I think this is a very pragmatic approach. You find these players, start to grow the game, get more of an international footing, and then when you're sitting there, you know, if you've got 100 young American kids and then all of a sudden five of them decide, oh, I don't want to play baseball, I want to play cricket, that's a massive success considering just mm. how far behind... Uh, the times cricket is in the United States. It's got so many, and they're very patriotic. They don't tend to like playing non-American sports, so that makes sense. So they don't like, it's, they play they, yeah. they play baseball. I mean, we, America's we've, all, game. we've all seen their family guy, uh, you know, portrayals of cricket. Yeah, yes. Where they're just like English, you know, twits just sitting around, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just they, doing English things. They, they play baseball, not cricket. They play gridiron, not really. They really play rugby. They play basketball, and they've got their own rules. It's not the same as the international rules. The American rules for basketball differ slightly. Um, they play hockey. Um, yeah, there's NASCAR. There's not a lot of, you know, other than really soccer, and that's not really a prominent sport in the United States. That's probably the only one that is really yeah. played by European nations that they get on board on some sort of level. I mean, they've they've what they've made quarterfinals before in the World Cup, I believe. That's yeah. probably about the extent of it. So considering how far cricket's got to go, if it gets up to that sort of soccer sort of level, well, I personally believe, well, I haven't had a look into the finances, but I think if they're getting up that major league soccer sort of level, they'd have a financial base that would rival Cricket Australia and the ECB. Well, we just have to keep telling them that it's the second uh, most supported sport in the world like i mean largely due to indian uh, (laughs) influence um but yeah i mean that i've i've heard that i've heard that uh statement thrown around before i I think if they can get it they get get it up and going um well, they've, they've announced that uh, well, Corey Anderson is actually one of the ones that they're planning on being a marquee player for. They're, they're starting their own um, T20 tournament, similar to the Big Bash or the IPL or the CPL or those ones. Uh, it'll be a six-team uh, franchise-based system. I think it's yeah. being played out of three cities at the moment, um, and they're looking to play it for probably five years or so and then look at expansion. Um, the ownership group of the... Um, uh, Tobago Knight Riders and the Kolkata Knight Riders are investing in it, so they're obviously going to be putting in a Knight Riders side into into this tournament. So they're, they're looking at getting that started, and I think it's great. I mean, it's probably not something we're going to see the results of for a few years, but um, you know, they're, they're starting to grow the, the profile of the game. The ICC has already come out and said they're certainly looking at um, 
uh, some sort of taunt, like hosting games there, potentially even co-hosting a West Indies, American, like maybe a, a, a T20 World Cup or something like that, you know, down the line of some sort of ICC event that, that they'll share the hosting responsibilities between mm. the United States and, uh, and the West Indies. And I think it's I think it's fantastic. Like it's one of the things I thought the ICC really needs to do. I mean, America is arguably the biggest market yeah. in the world for everything. It's pop hmm. pop culture essentially stems from the United States. So even from a, uh, um, I mean, how many people in the world know Michael Jordan? Despite the fact that they in the nineties, despite the fact that basketball wasn't a prominent sport in. Most countries at that point, yeah, like, mostly because of Space Jam, though. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, it's everyone seems to know like, about the American market. I mean, take yeah. the election race, for example. I mean, I've never seen like we don't care that much about our own elections, no. but, but like the uh, Facebook and Twitter were a, just a blast with the Australians commenting on what their views on the election were. It's like we don't even have this buy into our own election, let alone the American there, one. There, yeah. there, there was one time in Australia where you could ask someone, "Do you know who the prime minister is?" and they wouldn't be able to answer the question, but they would tell you who yeah. the American yeah. president yeah. was. Like, um, you know, the buck stops at the United States as far as you know, yeah, advertisement worldwide. And if cricket gains a substantial foothold in that market, it would be huge for the game. And what's good for you know? The United States cricket, there go, becomes good for international cricket because it just becomes more money to throw around. Yeah. Which well, means you can help those smaller nations, you know, your Hong Kongs, your Omans, and things like that because you have more money in the kitty to help those teams out. And from what I understand, there's a big, um, oh, I don't know how to put it, uh, there's a big influx of um, people from India and Pakistan and, 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 and cricket playing countries well, um, that live in the States. When I went to the United States uh, when I was a teenager on a basketball tour, we, we stayed at homestays and the uh, the mother of one of the homestays was um, from Barbados and she was couldn't be more excited to host Australian, um, even though we were, we were there to play basketball, she couldn't be more excited to host Australian students because she just wanted someone to talk to talk about cricket with because <laughs> it's America and no one cares and all of her sons played football and baseball and basketball. Um, you know, her, her husband was American, so like they didn't had no interest. And she was like, "Yes, I'm getting some Aussies to come over here. They'll talk to me about cricket." And <laughs> out of the four of us, I think that stayed at the house, I was the only one that actually followed cricket at all. <laughs> so I, I couldn't help but just see how crestfallen she was. But so I think we had a good like three or four hour conversation just talking about talking about cricket and all that. So you know. There, not only that, there's you know the the Caribbean have got plenty of expats over in the United States as well. Yeah. So mm. it'd be one of those things. I just hope it gets up off the ground. I can't, I have to go back and, and look at the stuff that I found, but I found some stats. I think there's somewhere in the vicinity of three to four hundred thousand participants in U.S. cricket across, which is you know not insignificant. I only have one proviso though. If they hold games in the U.S., they have to get rid of the baseball diamond. Oh, I, they, you, you uh, remember that game? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, one of the articles I read actually in regards to that <laughs> is that they are repurposing a baseball stadium in Dallas. Yeah. Um, it's not like they're short of grounds. Like in Grand Prairie, Dallas, so a suburb of Dallas, it's used to be the stadium for a, a minor league baseball franchise, which unfortunately went bust during COVID when the um, they had to cancel the minor league stuff over there. And so the ACE, the um, 
American Cricket Enterprises, yes, American Cricket Enterprises has got a 15-year lease to acquire that stadium. So that's and they're planning on that being sort of like the centre of excellence. So that's where they're going to make sort of the yeah. unofficial home of cricket in the United States. So they're looking at making that sort of a, a world-class cricket facility. Mm. I think Fort Lauderdale and um, North Carolina or some of the other places, and Indianapolis, I believe, were some of the other places that were thrown out as homes for um, other cricketing venues. So, yeah, just a, just a bit of a smug pat on the back for me. Well, they can come along. They can play. Love, yeah, love more than happy. I can't wait for to get off the ground. I would love to sort of follow. Just don't do stupid American, American stuff to my cricket. I love cricket. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's enough waffling on about that. We will get on with the rest of our podcast. Summer of cricket is well and truly underway. Australia v India. Uh, we've got the short form again, short form out of the way, and we currently sit at three and three, with a series win to Australia in the ODIs, and then a series win to India in the T20s. We'll yep. start with the ODIs. All I can say, just to start off with, before we get into it, oh my God, Steve Smith! <laughs> I knew it was oh, coming. You should have said, oh, I was sitting at long on. I have never had such a man crush in all my life. That yeah. guy, oh, oh. oh. Do, do you oh. need a moment? <laughs> oh. I do. <laughs> oh. I remember I, I sent, I think I sent you a photo, Aaron. No, you didn't send me a photo. I sent you just, somebody a photo. You just told me that you were there. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was. No, you right. posted I posted on the, yeah, on the page right. about yeah. how good how he was. Good. But I would like to bring up um, Aaron Finch, the captain as well, and Dave Warner. Like, they both got off to a phenomenal start. 69 for Warner, 114 ended it for Finch. And then Smith, like, we've, we've talked about this. We've talked about this quite a lot, that we think Smith is sort of that, you know, run a ball kind of guy. You, you you have him go deep into the innings, kind of like how Joe Root bats for England, and then yeah. you have your sloggers go around him. This coming out of absolutely nowhere. Mm. 105 off 66, and then what, he backed it up with another 100 off, six, 100 off 62 is what he got. And then in the second one, he got another 100 off 62, I think. It was the yeah. – and equals third fastest hundreds by an Australian. I'm like, Wasn't there a record on the second one? And um, he had to come back for two and, and Marnus slipped over. Oh, it would have been his record. He would have beaten his record. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah, which he only set like a few days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, Glenn Maxwell – how great was he during those games? I, that's the perfect role for him, I think. You get your top order to get in and do well. Smith to build the innings up towards the end. And then when you get to about that 40-ish over mark, you know, it's anywhere from 38 overs onwards, depending on how things are going, you just send Maxwell in with a license and you live and die with what you get. If he goes in, he hits three boundaries and skies one, that's what it is. Because for every innings that he goes out, well, even every two innings that he goes out and lets us down, going up too hard, you get what he did in the first two ODIs, 45 off 19, and then what was it? 63, 63 off, 29. off 29. And just put the games out of reach. Um, those first two ODI games for Australia were perf- almost perfect games for our batting lineup. Um, in the second one, you had uh, Warner with 83, um, Finch got 60 Smith like we said Scored that uh, back to, uh, Back-to-back hundreds Labuschagne came in at 4 And scored uh, 70 off 61 So he wasn't dragging Things down And then Maxwell came in Put those finishing touches on To get 63 off 19 
that uh, that's the perfect role for Maxwell. Just leave him alone. Don't go. If we put him in at three, he could go at a strike rate of two fifty for. 40 overs. Yeah, no, that's... That's that, not how batting works. It's not possible, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, A.B. De Villiers, I think, is the best... Oh, I don't know how to say this. He's the he's the, the best higher than, say, 150 strike rate batsman that I've seen yeah. for over a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coley is this generation's... He's the best one-day player of this generation, but he's he typically starts slow and builds his innings. A.B. De Villiers is the, probably the best guy that I've seen that just explodes... And goes mental and can hold that pace yeah. for the, the the length of his innings the longest. And not even he could come in at the fifteenth or twentieth over mark and slog for thirty overs. Like, mm. and it's unrealistic to uh, ask Maxwell. And we seem to have done that. We just go, oh, we've got off to a good start. And, you know, Warner and Finch got us going. Let's keep the momentum going. And you send War- uh, Maxwell out. And then he goes and gets a brisk 15, 20 and gets out. And we go, what an idiot. He had so much time to bat. Why would we? Why would he do that? It's like, that's what you've asked him to do. Yeah. yeah. Just leave him alone. You just name him at seven, send him out when it's, you know, 12-ish, oh, less than 12 overs to go. And then you just go, go mental. And then you have your rest of your batsmen there to come out in case going mental doesn't come off. I'm very impressed with how the Australians approach batting in that game. Then it was a good cost to win and bat first because India did it in the last one and they played very well. Uh, Ravi Jadeja and Hardik Pandya really dug India out of the mire and got them to a target um, of about 300, yeah. um, which was enough. They ended up then bowling really well. Um, is, is there still, like, I think I've I've talked about this before. Our bowlers don't finish well. They do not, like... From the position that we had India in, we were they were a good, what, five down for 150-odd? Like, yeah. Five for 152, yep. Yeah. So and they got Coley out. Coley was the last wicket, and you'd expect once I you mean, get Coley yeah, out yeah. and they're five down that you've got the job pretty much do done. That, like, um, not finishing well is actually an understatement. Like, you, you don't finish well there and they get – to 70 right from from five for 150 mm. so we actually finished that innings appallingly yeah to to allow them to again get to 300 i don't i don't know like i still don't i don't get this bowl slower balls we, have, we have did. five different kind of slower balls just bowl full and straight in that game we did rest uh, Stark was injured and we rested Cummins. So we were yeah. going with a, a pace bowling attack of Hazelwood, Abbott, Green, and Enrique's. And Enrique's only bowled uh, one over in yeah. that game. Despite well, the fact I, I he played well in the second game. Yeah. Um, and as as we've shown, we'll get to it a little bit later on with the, the, the last T20. Abbott, I don't think... He, he's he's come, a lo- he's come a, long, a long way for the Sixers. Um, he's one of the better wicket-taking bowlers in the BBL, but I just I don't yeah. think he's international quality, and no. he just keeps going the journey far too often. In this particular game, he was in charge yeah. of bowling at the I, death. I he went remember, for eight and a half and over. I can remember multiple times. I know it was a, probably a couple of years ago where the New Year's the New Year's Day Big Bash game against yeah. Adelaide, where Head hit him for three sixes to get his hundred and win the game. Yeah. The thing is with Abbott, and I don't understand, his, his default setting when he needs to uh, have to bowl tight, 
I have to go, go for any runs. I have to dry the runs up. Is always a short ball. You yeah. always get, and it's not a slow ball. It's a. Right. It's just he just bowls it's a short ball. Pace short ball. Yeah. And um, and he doesn't seem to have any ability to nail Yorkers at all, which is yeah. it's just surprising because he has got it right a lot of times. I mean, Tom Curran was typically the death bowler for the for the Sixers, but he has bowled in the death a bit more recently for the Sixers. But yeah, he's he was off the pace all he's all these one domestic the you know, short form games that he played were he wasn't he wasn't on. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably something that we've we've identified as a big problem for Australian cricket for a while, is we don't have those death bowlers outside of of Mitchell Stark. Yeah, and Mitchell Stark, unfortunately, just he the yeah, layoff was he not wasn't good. On. The layoff wasn't good for him. He's um, really trying to find his form, and he had a really woeful start yeah. to the summer. So yeah, exactly. I mean, is that something that? We should take into account when we select the side. Like, what is that your actual role? What overs would you usually bowl, or do you think that's over planning? No, no, I think that's I think that's um, a very pragmatic approach. Is like I think, I think Josh Hazelwood's ideally would bowl up front and in the middle. Yeah, I don't think he's much of a death bowler either. No, he doesn't have. And he the, was yeah. he was fantastic. He was I think he was the best I mean, Australian bowler again, in the one days. Josh Hazelwood is full of surprises. <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time I think, oh, he won't go well in this role. It's just not his kind of thing. And then he, he just always proves you wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. Josh Hazelwood is my favourite bowler that Australia has gotten this set up at the moment. And he, yeah. he saved Australia's bacon a lot in those run chases by bowling well up front. Yeah. But I still don't think he's ideally suited to bowling at the death because he does get a bit predictable. Like, it's yeah. hard to hit, but... When you're really going for it, I don't think I haven't really seen him bowl those slow ball bounces, all those wide yorkers, all those change ups to keep the bat- batsman guessing with any great fluency. He's yeah. certainly a guy that you whack <laughs> in on a length, and you'll give him, make it hard to hit, and it's like you're going to have to take risks, yeah, to hit me yeah. for runs. But and you're going to are you going to take risks in the eighth over of the game? Yeah. Whereas when you're in the forty eighth over of the game, when you're chasing, you're like, well, I've, I've got to go for it. Yeah. But um, on the other hand, like you got to plan. He'll he'll execute it. There's no. There's no doubting his execution ability. Hmm. When was the last time you seen in a one-day game that half the overs were from spinners? For an Australian uh, yeah. Australian game? Not, not many. So and, and, and that was one of them. Like, you've got Zampa, you've got uh, Agar, and, and Maxwell. And Maxwell. They bowled 25 overs between them and went for about 109 runs. Yeah. And took, I think, Zampa uh, and three, Agar got two? or Three, yeah. Three. So three I, but I think it's, a, it's something that we could consider – when we select, not necessarily going for just quality looking at averages, but having a specific role. And and maybe the person's not, you know, the fifth bowler in line as far as quality goes, but they do these overs really well. Yeah. And I think is too, we, um, we'll need to then start really emphasising the one-day cup and then having a look at who's doing that role well, in the big the bash, thing. and I, I <laughs> and uh, on the top of my head, I'm, I can't really think of like uh, Andrew Ty would be a guy that has done yeah. the role well at state level, but has had mixed success internationally. <clears throat> uh, Nathan Ellis, who I don't think is quite ready for international cricket, did it better than Nen, almost as well as anyone last year in the big bash. I think he had yeah. the lowest runs per over in what they called the death overs yeah. out of anyone other he's than good. Tom Curran, but Tom can't pick Tom Curran, he's English. <laughs> so um, it'll just be finding, you know, 
who's going to do that role? You got to look at the IPL as well too. If you're going to look at that, because these, I know, I know, it's not an international. It, it is an international tournament, though. That's the thing. There's not too many Australians that'll go and do that role that aren't already in the setup. So you've already yeah. got Cummins and Stark are the really yeah. obvious ones, but there's not a heap of you know, young yeah. upcoming bowlers that make the IPL. It's more yeah. typically guys like Maxwell and Finch and Smith yeah. and batsmen tend to go over, but I don't really remember. I think Coulter Nile went over there, and but again, he's he's not getting a run anymore. His international days are pretty much done. Yeah. So, um, But yeah, it is something that the, the selectors, I think, really do need to look at is not only what bowlers are we picking, but what jobs do we want them to do? And then obviously it's up to guys like Finch to make sure that they're being executed correctly. Yep. Before we move on to the T20s, just like give a, actually, I suppose he did most of his work in the T20s, but how good was it? I know it was good for me to see Moses on Reeks getting A, a run in the Australian setup again, and B, doing well. Yeah. Oh, He's a good. guy that oh. I've wanted to play in, now, international cricket for Australia for quite a while and just hasn't, yeah. it hasn't panned out. It, he, it started so well, too. Yeah. With that catch. I think he was. Come yeah. off with that catch. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. But, um, and that's, he that's has been somewhat hard, hard done by over the years, I have to say. I thought he was hard done by getting dropped over in India when he started off with consecutive 50s and looks quite at home and then yeah. just never sort of really got a look in after that. Mm. Uh, so moving on to the 2020s, India India certainly looked more at home in that format. Um, and, 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 they, and they have just come off out of the IPL too, so... yes. And, and it certainly didn't hurt that uh, I think India like chasing in T20s and two out of three of those they got to chase. Set the target in um, in the first T20 and one. But I think, yeah, India like pacing their innings. I mean, we scored 194 in the second one. They chased that down four wickets down and, and, and paced it really well. Yeah, you're having a rough day when <laughs> you set 194 and it gets chased down in 20 overs. <laughs> yeah. But it's not unheard of. No, no, no. But I, I, I think to what? So we should talk, before we get into that, talk about the controversy that happened. I was in, about to bring that up. Uh, I'll, I'll. What, what I'll do you, th- you? What do you think about the whole um, Jadeja thing, Aaron? Uh, I think it's nonsense. Oh, utter garbage. He was he was subbed out because he couldn't bowl. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, he did his hamstring, couldn't bowl, and they've used the blow on the head to get him out of there and get a substitute. He wasn't assessed at all on the ground. Yeah, but I don't even think they changed his helmet. He just nope. carried on bad. He hit him in the head and he took off for a leg bite. Finished his innings and then all of a sudden his symptoms that manifested themselves within the 10-minute changeover. Now, oh, delayed concussions, delayed concussions. Not a doctor. Happy to be someone to come in and prove me wrong, but I'm pretty sure, in, like in Steve Smith's case, his delayed concussion was the following day. Yeah, He was... You know, held back from from fielding. He went out to bat, got out, and then was held back from fielding. And then overnight, they've said no that he's we're subbing him out. Concussions have manifested themselves. I'm pretty sure that concussion symptoms, if they're not really that evident at the time of impact, ten minutes between. No, it's not going to make it. Doesn't really change the difference from when he finished batting to 15 minutes later. I could be wrong. I haven't. You know, I'm not a, a concussion expert, but I feel that that's. That they've they're yanking their chain a bit, and the fact too that that uh, I suppose you, you'd like to think that the team doctors aren't going to be biased, but of course they're going to have the team self interest in there. And if it's a case of saying he can't bowl, we need a new bowler. Oh yeah, well he got hit on the head, so yeah, he's got a headache. He's 
concussion symptoms. I would like there to be, and it goes to rugby league as well, yeah. which is another one in Australian sport that uses the concussion rule. There should be an independent doctor that goes and makes these yeah, like, assessments. Well, you, you look at going along that rugby league line, if you if you look at it, I can kind of predict who's going to get HIA. Oh, yeah. Rugby time. league abuses it all the time. It could Because yeah. the substitution in rugby league is documented. a free one. Where they go, oh, well, he's looked like he hit his head. That forward looked like he hit his head on the ground. We'll do a HIA and sub him off. And it's just a free substitution. Yeah. They the, spend 15 the HIA, minutes on... Is the HIA not just like a series of brain tests? Yeah. And they tell them... And you've got to... It, tell it them, takes 15 minutes minimum. You can't pass it uh, or fail it. And the coaches tell them to tank them early in the year. Yeah. They so do... They can, yeah. yeah they, they set the, the baseline low. Low. So if they are sort of concussed, it's easier to pass. Like that's something that all the players have talked about. I don't yeah. know whether or not it's coached, but yeah. it's like one of those well, ones where... Well, maybe like, they're just idiots. Where it's, like, it's one of those ones where players are aware of how the system works and they know how to manipulate it to their own... Sort yeah. of, if I do really bad now, it'll be easier for me to beat that if I am sort of concussed yeah. and yeah. all that I, sort I, of thing. I, I still, I, it's so unethical. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, like if he's if he's concussed, not a problem. Well, I think my, my, I think India have followed the rules yeah, in, a, in a technical sense, which means I think the rules need to be looked at because we haven't had that many concussion substitutes in cricket, and it hasn't taken that long in terms of times that the concussion substitute has been used for it to be abused. And I don't care what anyone says, that was India big. have abused Yeah, definitely. Abused this situation here. Like yeah. and, and I, I could and like I know he's been ruled out for the rest of the series and I think maybe the tests as well. He may have manifested those concussion symptoms the following day, but I refuse to believe that in the time that he got hit and it was like fifteen minutes. That's all it was that those symptoms were non-existent so he could continue batting to I'm now ruled out for months and months. Like, and I, I believe that those symptoms maybe manifested themselves overnight. Yeah. But at the time that he was ruled out, I think he was still, f- in, a term, in, in a concussion sense, fit to play, but obviously couldn't play because his hamstring was gone. Yeah, well, yeah. and that's what it is. It's, he's done a hamstring. Oh, we need a new bowler. What are we going to do? And they've used the, the guise of a concussion substitute yeah. to get him in. Yeah. Can... Can I talk about a different issue? Because uh, I didn't actually know what you guys were talking about because I missed that game. And do you know why I missed that game? Because it's not on free-to-air TV. <laughs> they did not televise it on free-to-air. And that it's just it just makes it inaccessible to a good like a good portion of the public. So um, uh, I want to... Like expand on that a little bit, Glenn. Yeah. Has Channel Nine picked up the coverage for for the next Winter Ashes? Oh, right. So Channel Seven didn't get it because they wouldn't pay for it because of COVID nineteen. I don't that's, know that's what the the, 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 win- I, the Winter Ashes aren't included in the summer of cricket. This is the next Ashes in England. Yeah. It's not the Ashes here next next summer. Yeah. It's the winter after that. Yeah. Or the. Yeah, the following Ashes. Are, so that's they're basically just piggyback, piggybacking the Sky Sports broadcast and they'll mm. cross to Mark Taylor and Ian well, Healy I, in a studio. Uh, we, we should probably, I mean, if we're going to talk about that, we should probably you could spend a whole episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it might be a little bit boring, but um, yeah. No, just, it is It is a concern and I, yeah. you know, I'm, there, there should be rules in place that all international sport 
is broadcast in some in some way on free to air TV. Yeah. Um, I know even if it's delayed. So if Fox have forked out all this money to have the live and exclusive sort of thing and whatever, that's fine. Let them have it live. But even if it's like, especially for T20s, like yeah, if you're yeah. really that keen, you could probably T20 starts at seven, start that started at nine, yeah, um, and have a delayed broadcast. So, but there needs to be. You're right. It, it, yeah, it, I don't understand how sports don't get it. Yeah, I like just, I just if don't. it's not accessible to the public easily. Interest wanes. It's it's not even like rocket science. It's documented. Like who in Australia cares about rugby or soccer? Yeah, nobody. No cares. one until the Wallabies or the Socceroos play. Yeah, pretty much. Like yeah, it's it's World a, Cup time. It's a, yeah, <laughs> and it's like no one in Australia gives it. No one who matters in Australia gives a damn about rugby until the Wallabies come on to play the Bledisloe or yeah. the Tri Nate. And like rugby's taken a bit of a peak of interest because we've just had yeah. the Bledisloe and playing Argentina, but before that. You never heard about. You don't hear about rugby. No one cares about rugby. No one talks about rugby. It's oh, sort of the, no, like not Scotty, unless Israel Folau is doing the shoot shield, but he's pretty fanatical about rugby. Like the general <laughs> Joe Blow doesn't yeah. care about rugby until oh the, the Wallabies are playing. Oh yes, I'll go and I love sift, watching. I'll Gordon sift through the wardrobe. Leagues. I'll go to the garage. I'll go to that storage. That's where I left it. The storage unit. Dust off the yeah. old Wallabies jersey. Sit down and talk about how yeah. you follow the Wallabies since Jesus was fullback yeah. to Jerusalem. <laughs> never stop believing. <laughs> it's and and that's so and that's because that. <laughs> rugby, on any level other than international level, isn't available on free to air. So I just don't get why sports uh, why sports would allow their product to be sectioned off from the public. Yeah. yeah, it should just be fine. You want live and exclusive? That's fantastic. We are not giving you exclusive. We'll give you exclusive live rights, but we are showing it on delay or the simulcast or something like that but our product especially internationally for cricket's sake internationally every single game internationally should be on free to air i'm happy for the big bash to be similar to rugby league where only a portion of the games are on yeah. free to air yeah but saying that though like, but internationally yeah. cricket should be every game australia plays you should be able to watch for free Give, give in some it. capacity, it's yeah. so straight. All the sports are doing it. Rugby league's done it. Um, the a like I know that it, there's like they they need money in their pocket and pay TV services have more money to throw around and so they they're just looking at it going well they're going to give us x amount of millions of dollars now. Yeah, let's take it. Not realizing, and I don't know how they don't realize it that it's in long, the long long term prospect. It's, yeah. And not only is it it's cutting in long term, it's cutting the interest in your sport, which then immediately downgrades the amount of people that play it at a junior level. Um, if kids can watch it, they'll want to do it. Yeah. They don't want to watch it; they're not going to do it. Like it's, mm, exactly. it's and just, I'm, and it's it just, yeah. I'm and it's, pretty sure that we are feeling that as well. There's less people signing up to play cricket. Yeah, we know that at the at the oh. moment as local cricketers here, it's yeah, the it's painful the the competition in Bathurst is been on the decline for half a dozen years. Yeah. So I blame it all on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. It's a it's a brilliant point and it just yeah. It just if we understand it from the outside looking in, surely the the people that run these the administrators of these sports that have endless Microsoft Excel pages worth of documents and statistics and spreadsheets and lots and lots of research into it can't make those same connections. Yeah, exactly. 
Anyway, so just we'll finish before we move on to the next thing. We'll just uh, talk about how the the T twenties in for India. So they've done a fantastic job. Kohli and Hardik Pandya were players that um, were instrumental in getting the job done, especially in that second one, which uh, leveled the series. Matthew Wade came in as a stand-in captain for Aaron Finch, who pulled up injured, and he scored 53. Um, Smith got 46. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, um, Natarajan, how good has that guy been? The left armour, young left armour for India. Yeah. Very economical. Um, and considering he's a fairly... Fairly young guy. I don't think he's had too much international experience. Oh, I like he's, his story too. He's he's comes from very modest beginnings, I believe. I don't think he used a cricket ball until he was twenty or something like that. He <laughs> hadn't bowled a cricket ball till he was twenty. Like he so played he just with done a, the, the taped, taped up, up tennis, tennis ball. ball. Oh, I love him even more now. Jeez, <laughs> um, imagine the first time he got hit with a cricket ball. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been eye opening, wouldn't it? <laughs> Um, yeah, so so well done to India. They certainly excelled in that format. We did get a little bit of um, revenge at the end um, with the third T20, just so it wasn't a whitewash, which has levelled the, the short-form games at three apiece, two ODIs and one T20 for Australia and one ODI and two T20s for India. So we move into the Test Series coming up uh, next week. So we're actually seven days from now is the time of this recording. So by the time you hear it, probably four or five days from now. Or if you're listening to it in the future, it might have been two years ago. I don't know. <laughs> that's oh, that, the that's, beauty of podcasts. That's the beauty of podcasts. They're around forever. Literally done my head in. <laughs> you get to carry us around for eternity. <laughs> that's a scary thought. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I think just on a, just a, a little note, I think this is the first calendar year, maybe since 2009, reading that Virat Kohli has not scored a limited overs century. Uh, yeah, I know. How terrible is that? Oh, uh, no. I'm pretty sure Steve Smith got like two in like a couple of days. <laughs> Would that make yeah. him the new greatest batsman in the world? Uh, Kohli is definitely a better batsman than Steve Smith in one-day internationals and T20s. I think yeah. Steve Smith is the best batsman in the world when you consider all three formats because I think he's... I reckon Smitty must have felt sorry for him last night when he dropped that catch. Oh, He just doesn't do that. He doesn't do that, does he? I know. That was not Steve Smith. Nearly pulled my hair out when I saw that. I was like, he surely, will single-handedly win us the game. He got 85 and nearly got him there. Surely that was a doppelganger. <laughs> that was not Steve Smith. Uh, How good was... Um, 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 oh, what's his name? Uh, the bowler, Sam's Daniel Sam's. Uh, oh, the catches, his bowling wasn't great, but the catches were awesome. Yeah, his bowling wasn't too bad though. Like, I know there was a couple of his, bowl, his bowling was better in the fir- in the second T20. Yeah. Unfortunately, had he will be to be remembered for bowling those overs that over that Hardik Pandya won the game off. But I thought that he bowled really well. In his other three overs leading up to that, he just didn't get it done at the death. I didn't think he was quite as consistent in the third one. I'm, you, I'm, but I, I I love what he's about. He came out and I think his first first balls in both games came out bat both went for four. Like he's just that guy, you're going to bowl four overs and your job to go out there is hit it as hard as you can. He's like, yes, sir. I I, I, I've, I've seen him play with the, the Thunder, I think it was. Yeah. Two years. And I never saw him score a run. We actually three. I think it was actually three years ago. We actually had a really promising um, series uh, season with the bat, which sort of got him into that sort of hard hitting bowling all rounder. 
And then he just hasn't scored a run since. He, he got like six ducks. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude. Yeah, he's just why a- is this guy in the team? He can't even bat. He was just having a horror run, like yeah. like a jitter gurkha. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. <laughs> the guy could actually bat, apparently. Just not in Australia. Yeah, just couldn't get it to work in Australia. So yes, we'll get move on from there now. Um, coming up after this, I'm dragging the soapbox out. So uh, get right. ready for that one. I'm ready. Oh, there we go. We haven't heard that music in a while. The music intro for our soapbox moment, but we're dragging it out again because I have got a bee in my bonnet and I'm going to get it off my chest because that's why I did a podcast. So you can listen to my thoughts uh, on I think cricket. We, we, we almost had to, we almost should have arm wrestled for this rant, but. I'm no, sure it can be a communal one. I'll bring out the other two soapboxes. Yeah. We can get on it together, but exactly. I'm going first. It's a bigger soapbox. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's a soap crate. Yeah, soap crate. Yep. So what is wrong with half of Australian cricket fans out there? We're better than this. We are smarter as a nation as cricket fans than this. What on earth is going on with half of you smashing social media about getting Sean Marsh back into the test team? Does he have beer-flavoured nipples or something? I reckon he's got a lot of cousins. Like, does he go door-to-door <laughs> to door and do work on his knees and that's why you guys out there Ooh. want him back? Does he wow. have like 400,000 Facebook profiles that he just goes and talks to him? It is ridiculous that this is coming. Wow. This whole David Warner's injured and Joe Burns isn't in form. Well, yeah. let's go back to Sean Marsh. The guy is 37 years old. He has played 40 tests for Australia and he would be doing well to be mediocre. Yeah. The guy has an average of 34, not to mention the fact that for Western Australia, he's not even opening the batting, but you all want him to come in to open because there's an opener shortage, which is a lie. You're all too lazy to go and look at the Shield statistics to see that there are about half a dozen openers in Shield this year that have scored hundreds. Mm. Yeah. Could mean, Glenn come I mean, inside, like, yeah. oh, sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to catch up. <laughs> I feel like you went from about volume of two to about 11. I'm, I'm really <laughs> annoyed at this. Like, Sean Marsh has had a phenomenal, phenomenal first-class career, including this year, but he's batting at three. He's 37 years old, and we know because we've seen it, because he's had 40 matches at international level, that when he gets to test level, he's not good enough. Mm. So why are we wasting our time going back to that well when we have got Whiteman, who has scored 200s this season Mm -hmm. for WA, off the back of a successful period last year as an opener for WA, Cameron Bancroft, who is a former test opener, who also has multiple hundreds for WA. So he has international experience and is in form. We've had Jordan Silk, who has scored 100 for Tasmania. We've got Pukowski and Harris, who have scored double hundreds. One of them has two double hundreds for Victoria. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about going back to his 37-year-old who doesn't open the batting because he scored a few runs because I can only imagine that he has beer-flavoured nipples. That's what I'm going with because yeah. I have no idea why yeah, you all want to go with that. Definitely go when with When you actually have... Nipples. 
youngish openers. I mean, Whiteman's twenty eight. Bukowski's barely out of like barely out of his nappies. Uh, Bancroft's not much older. We have young guys who are doing the job of openers, who are in form. But you want to go back to Shaw? I don't understand why. Like, what about the last forty matches makes yeah. you think that at thirty seven? This is the guy that is going to suddenly turn it around and become an elite test player. Well, he's kind of the Mitchell Pierce of cricket, isn't he? Oh, my. It's just – it boggles <laughs> the mind. We yeah. are smarter as a nation of cricket fans than to yeah. go back to Marsh. I'm not saying he's rubbish. He has a fantastic first-class career. He's one of the better-looking batsmen in terms of his technique that I've seen. Even but in the short form, he's, you know, yeah, I, I could understand I'd go back that. to that well if we ran out of openers for the one-day side because yeah. Sean Marshes was an excellent one-day player for Australia, but he was at best, at best, average. Yeah. And there's a lot of people across the world that come yeah. and are average cricketers. Oh, it's I, not a yeah. it's not a slight. It's just a fact of life. You can't all be Steve Smith he, or Michael not, Clark or Ricky Ponting or Steve War. For every one of those, there's heaps of average players. Apparently, he's a nice bloke, though. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I I just much rather an asshole that does well than a nice bloke that is yeah. average. Like it's well, just. I mean, the Bottles problem. my mind, guys. Yeah, I can only assume that uh, the other guys just must be assholes. <laughs> Like, if 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 we had no other option, like if no one else had scored a run, we, we had we, we picked Bukowski, he scored his double hundreds, he's got hurt, and no one else had scored a run, Yeah. then, okay, we're only picking him because yeah. we need to wait till Warner the, and Bukowski are healthy. We'll the bring kind him of in. Adam Voges, yeah. Chris yeah. Rogers yeah. kind yeah. of logic. Yeah. Because no. when they were picked in their late 30s, mid to late 30s, there weren't really any other options that were jumping out and knocking the door down to be picked. So we sort of put them on. They played for a year or two or three, and then by that time, guys like Travis Head and Curtis Patterson and these guys had come up through the middle order, and then you had you know, Joe Burns coming in as an opener. Like You had options then to go to, but we, we're not in the position where we have no other options that we need to go to the 37-year-old tried and tested and well, failed, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, Sean Marsh. All right. Yeah. I'm going to get up onto your level because, right, on. You know what? I, I probably can't. <laughs> my, my voice is too low pitched. I can't sound exasperated enough. But um, what annoys me about people who talk about this, um, for one, they're, they're professional writers. These these are sports journalists who are actually promoting these opinions. Is that Brenton Cherry from Fox Sports right. put out an article with all this? Okay, and 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 the the Bulk. logic the logic behind it is that there are no openers performing. There are no openers performing. This guy's job is to actually know this stuff, and he has not even done a cursory read-through of the Shield stats to see whether his nobody is performing as an opener is actually true. And if he even did just bother to just read... Go to Crick Info. His right? own this teammate. Is his, this is his full-time job, man. <laughs> He's not just doing it casually after work like we are with this podcast. This is his full-time job. He won't read down and see Sam Whiteman. Very attractive statistics over the last two seasons. You know, he, he won't see um, Bancroft had a quality start to the year. 
Will Pukowski, two double hundred. I mean, Even I, Matt Renshaw, I know he's batting at five at the moment, but yeah. he's a former test opener. Former, yeah. He yeah. opened last year for Queensland. I mean, I don't think yeah. he's forgotten how to do it. Like, it's only been three, two games, three yeah. games that he's played where he hasn't opened the batting. Like, I mean, you, you could say that that's, you know, you're saying that they shouldn't pick, Mar- well, one, because he's crap and also he's not opening. And he's old. But okay. I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, like, even at a pinch there, you've got a former test opener who is young and has a world at his feet to give yeah. another go to. Like, I just don't understand why all these people are going back to that well when it's... How uh, are we ever uh, going to move... As simple as this. So fast forward two years. Yeah. Fast forward two years. Marsh is about to turn 41. David Warner's, what, 35, 36... And they're both on their way out. And then we go, who are we going to pick now? We can't pick this guy because he hasn't played international cricket before. We can't pick this. The reason why is because the perfect opportunity to give a guy, I mean, if we're just giving him, it's just a stopover until Warner is healthy for Boxing Day, what a perfect opportunity to give that to a Sam Whiteman, to a a Will Pukowski, to a guy like that, to go, this is what international cricket's all about. If he stuffs up, it costs us one test, and then we get uh, an opener that has 20-plus test hundreds coming back. Mm. And then he goes back and goes, well, that yeah. wasn't great. I got exposed by Jasper Brumra, but I know what I need to work on. And then he's better for the experience. Yeah, I, I think it's just simply a case of, because I've heard I've heard two things, right? Um, and one is about bringing Marsh back and one's about bringing Kawaja back. <laughs> I mean, Kawaja probably has Kawaja a better has- case, but... Even still, like the same arguments pretty much apply for him. Kawaja like, scored one decent score so far this summer. And like oh, he did that. No, 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 hang four. on, hang on. They've rolled out the stat. Oh, he, average, the st- he averages yeah. 96 in the three innings or whatever it is that he's opened the batting. <laughs> yeah. My God. I remember three years ago, it was like, you've yeah. got to pick Kawaja because he averages 90 in Australia. And then the next year, you've got to pick Kawaja because he averages 70 in Australia. Yeah. And the next year, you've got to pick Kawaja. He averages 50 in Australia. That was exactly what I read. <laughs> I read, yeah. So it's gone, yeah, Kawaja averages 90 in Australia, 70 in Australia, and this year people are making the argument you've got to pick Kawaja because he averages 50 in Australia. The guy averages a, a tick <laughs> over 30 for the last yeah. two years. The guy yeah. has had it. And it includes, had bat- it. It includes batting on that road. That, like yeah. Kawaja's entire international career was built on that one summer where he and Adam Voges flayed the New Zealand bowling attack. Yeah. And that's the reason why Adam Voges is in the top three for test averages, mind you. Yeah. That is it. He, has lived, he has lived on that purple patch yeah. with, what, two or three absolutely champagne innings in between. Mm. So about, what, what was that, 2015? So yeah. four years with about three champagne innings in between. His average has plummeted down to 40. Yeah. And he was averaging after that summer nearly 70, I think. Mm. His only knock on his game is he couldn't travel to the subcontinent. But everywhere else, he was a superstar. And then it's just, even in Australia, he's been rubbish. He's, what, he scored that cheap, that cheap hundred against the Sri Lanka on a road at Monaco once the game was over. And then I think he scored in the fifth test of the Ashes where we won 4-0, the last Ashes over here in Mm. Sydney when, like, we were up 3-0 at that point. The series was done. England were toast. Yeah. And he scored a, you know, that phantom pressure yeah. off 100. Yeah. And, look, it's it's purely because people, these 
these sports journalists are just grabbing onto these names because they know that people know who they are. And they're like, oh, talking point. You know, this will be good. But what's what's People what? don't think of Sam Whiteman, um, but he has quietly achieved in the last two seasons. Yeah. And, and to do what they've done here... It's it's disrespectful to to Sheffield Shield, and that's, those guys would much rather write an article that's going to get people looking yeah. at it because sh- bring back Sean Marsh is going to get all the short pro Sean Marsh people, which I don't know why there are yeah. so many of you reading it, and all they the, like beer nipples, <laughs> and all the anti Sean Marsh people reading like what is this moron saying? And they're just yeah. they're writing articles to get people to read them as opposed to actually having any proper sense to it. Yeah. And, yeah. and and it just boggles my mind that there are so That's many of you out there on social media, yeah. and I don't mind. And they're getting I, paid for this. this I, I, <laughs> like, like I can understand the financial incentives of that. Fox Sports wants you to write an article; people are going to read, so they can put ads on it. So people are going to, you know, make. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. What's concerning me is all the people on Facebook and Twitter and all the just regular people that agree with them. Yeah, like we're a smarter bunch of fans than that. We're not. Yeah. We're not football fans. We yeah. actually get what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like it. I like, like I've, it. I've listened to some rugby league fans that are just like, you have no idea how the sport that you follow actually works. Like, you, mm. you're one of those guys that follow it because your dad followed it and his dad followed it and you just, you know, it's on at night time and, you know, you crack open a beer and fall asleep on the lounge. That's your extent yeah. of rugby league nuance. But cricket, mostly I've noticed that cricket fans are a different breed. We actually have... Yeah. Some semblance of an understanding on a more general level of yeah. how our sport works. And for the amount of people that are just like, bring back Sean Marsh, just makes me weep. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. We are better than this. Yeah. Yeah. God. Do you want to get a word in, Gary? Uh, not really. Yeah, you've got to come up. Like, I, I must say, I'm, oh, I'm no, happy I, with the level that the, I just the, achieved. The, the loud level's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I apologise, people listening to this with headphones on. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been friends with Aaron for years. I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> um, it's, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Like, Sean Marsh is a fantastic player. No, 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 no. No, take that back. Sean Marsh was a fantastic he, player. He currently still is. He's scoring. No. He's scoring a heap of runs for Western Australia. Yes. I get it. Horse but out of the stable, gone, running done. down the road, He's Aaron. Done. Yeah. We yeah. need to move forward from here and actually reward the guys that are young enough to make a mark. Yeah. And then we can actually not be like the West Indies of the 70s and 80s and everyone retired all at once and we're like, oh my God, who do we pick? Like, this is the perfect opportunity. If Warner misses a test or two, yeah. Get him in there. Bad have a time. look. He can see what international cricket's like. Be it a Whiteman. Be it a, be it a Renshaw if he comes back. Be it, you know, Cam Bancroft coming back for another time. No. Bryce Street. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not um, ready. But I, I, Be I, it Harris again. Like, you know, Harris has shown a bit. Like, he hasn't been consistent and he's too loose outside off stump yeah. and he loves to drop his torso so he cuts in the air, which don't, is something he really needs to work Scotty on. Don't Scotty hear you saying that. But, like, <laughs> this is a guy that's had two or three or four good seasons at Shield Cricket and he's yeah. young. Get him in there and yeah, work on that. Exactly. Like, there is no reward to picking Sean Marsh again. Like, what, he sees out the, the summer – and he rides off into the sunset, and the next thing happens, Warner gets injured or Burns runs out of form for the next series, and you go, well, who do we pick? I don't know. Sean Marsh is retired now, and we haven't tested anybody else. Hmm. 
it, it, only good things can come from picking someone like Will Pukowski. Oh, the only another thing, just before we go into that, <laughs> the amount of people that have gone, let's open with Marnus Labuschagne. Uh, you mean the best number three Australia's had since Ricky Ponting that actually wants to stay there and bat at three? We've finally got our upper order sorted with Labuschagne at three and Smith at four, and you want to mess around with that? Why? Why? There's a vein hanging out of Aaron's forehead. <laughs> Pick a player that is opening the batting for his state to open the batting for his country. <laughs> yeah. And it's not hard. Just give him a go. If he messes up, falls on his face and gets a pair, then that's fine. I just want to know where this this uh, this idea that we don't have any upcoming openers came from as well. Just like there's, there's nonsense. Of guys scoring runs at the top Utter of the order. Nonsense. Just yeah. All right, before I go yeah. on a coronary and leave my son fatherless, let's talk about <laughs> the makeup of the the test side. So we've just yeah. had an Australia A game and we've got a pink ball game coming up the day after tomorrow mm-hmm. in terms of when this is being recorded. Well, um, I, I think they should pick Sean Marsh to open. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this button here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's red and it's got a cross through a speaker and you know what that uh, does? Yeah. Does it blow up? Say something, Gary. <laughs> well, I just muted Gary and yeah, he's, he's learned his lesson. Yeah. Um, Benny, so Benny wouldn't let us put a uh, electric shock on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like some sadistic, you know, like <laughs> some sadistic games. <laughs> Anyways, um, we've, we've had enough faffing about. Um, so from that, there wasn't really much to talk about in terms of the Australian batsmen. Both Burns and Bukowski failed in the first innings. Um, Harris head, um, Madison got a bit of a start, didn't really carry on. But the Wonderkin, the one that everyone's talking about, it seems to have the world at his feet, Cameron Green, mm. yeah, scored an absolutely fantastic hundred. If I, yeah, and then, and then in under pressure, batted at you know, I think at a strike rate near enough to 70 without looking too ridiculous had a couple of chances but who scores 100 without giving up a couple of chances really mm. especially at 20 one of them was like he was already on 78 yeah the other one yeah. was on 24 he sort of yeah. and the, um looks looks really good um got us to a, a fairly sizable lead um didn't he clean up with the ball then he got he got a couple. he got a couple got the openers out in the second innings yeah um for the but, Indian but side, you don't, need a, you don't need a bag as as the all rounder. He did exactly what you need to do as an all rounder who bats in the top six. Yeah, so he's not going to bowl too many overs if he plays anyway. The yeah. most, the majority, especially in a pink ball test, um, Hazelwood, Stark, Cummins are going to bowl a, yeah. a lot of them. Lyon do his share. He just needs to chip in with somewhere between yeah. you know, four and ten overs in but, an innings. And I, I remember re- reading in the first innings. I didn't see much of the game, um, but he had. Bold nine overs for ten runs. Yeah, it was, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, and, and then, then just chip in with the occasional four wicket. overs at the top. Took two wickets for not many, and yeah. well, not at the top. I think he bowled second change, but got the openers out. Yeah, and they were they were set at that point as well. Um, for the Indian side of things, Pujara looked very very good in the first innings. Like he's going to mm. be there to plague our nightmares, like he did last tour for a long time. Yeah, he was more dangerous than, than Coley last time. Uh, Rahane scored 100, looked really good. Um, the second innings, we cleaned up a lot better. Steckity took five. Uh, Nisa got Pajara with a fantastic one. And I think, just on a, a quiet note, 
Um, I would like to throw our uh, support out to Mitchell Stark, who was taking some time away from the game, I believe, mm. to deal with some illness in his family. I haven't yeah. heard anywhere specifically when Stark is rejoining the side. Um, hopefully yeah. it's as soon as possible. Hopefully everything turns out okay for, for Mitchell and his family. Um, but should he miss out, I think that Michael Nisa, we might get we might get our dream come true. We might get Michael Nisa, yeah. especially with a pink ball um, trial game coming up. If Nisa takes a bag full in that one and Stark's unavailable, mm. I think Nisa would be the ideal choice to come in and bowl, especially because you need a new ball bowler. Yeah. Give Nisa the new ball with Hazelwood, swooping that pink ball around. Mm, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Um, <laughs> you guys have been talking about this for too long. I know, yeah. but... <laughs> We've been talking about Nisa getting a run but, since yeah. before the Ashes. I know. He's, he's just been so consistently performing at every every post. He every batted really well, too, when yeah. he came in. He scored a really brisk 30. He ran himself out trying to get Cameron Green his, yeah. uh, his 100. Wow. Cameron Green's hit one off his hip to square leg, and Nice has called him through, taken off, and they had a direct hit, one stump to aim at, and caught him short. Yeah. Um, He's but just done everything that you need to do, and he, uh, the, things just haven't fallen his way. Unfortunately, he's run into one of the best young dynamic bowling attacks Australia's had in quite mm. a while in Hazelwood, yeah. Cummins and Stark, all and about the same age. And it's just like he's yeah. not going to get a run unless oh, there's I, an injury. I think, I think he could easily um, stand in for Stark, but there is this perception that you need the out-and-out strike bowler and Pattinson is in front of him in that regard. I think I'm hoping that they'll look at that and maybe go. Let's let Cummins be that strike bowler, and then let Hay. Especially with the, if it was a red ball test, yeah. I could imagine that being the same thing. Yeah. Being that pink ball does a little more, they might look I at just I just getting the ball to swing a bit more. I just think this pace and aggression without without accuracy. I, I think it's overrated. I, I think Pattinson is a fairly accurate bowler though. He's had a yeah. pretty good time of it playing for Australia, so we can't go wrong either way. But I'm just hoping yeah. that we'll just. Be a little more subtle. Yeah. If Stark goes out, let's get let's get just, a swing specialist in for yeah. a game where the ball swings more. Yeah. I just think pick quality. Don't worry about, well, we need a guy who's going to bowl bounces and stuff. You know, if you get a good quality attack. Hazelwood's shown that he's more than yeah. more than happy to chuck a good bouncer in, so I don't <laughs> think we're going to have any, and so is Cummins. So yeah. I don't think we're going to be lacking in, um, in that department should Stark mm. not be available for the first test. Yeah. Josh Hazelwood reminds me of a school teacher. <laughs> You're going to need to elaborate I, on I, that I'm one. I'm going to elaborate. <laughs> no, we he, can all relate to he, that. He looks like the guy that, you know, he can bowl bounces, but oh, I probably shouldn't because I'm not, you know, not supposed to. That's <laughs> that's in poor form. Yeah, I can tear your head off with a ball, but I really shouldn't. Well, Nathan Lyon actually came out and said as far as he thinks that Josh Hazelwood's the best bowler in the Australian lineup, just being able to do perform at all facets of the game, that he does have, like, he's put on a yard or two of pace and he's got a good bouncer and he does have that, you know, impeccable line and length, but he does all those other things but too. And yeah. I tend to agree with him. Like, I know Cummins is the number one overall bowler in, for test matches, but, like, I'm a really big fan of Josh Hazelwood. He just seems to have a knack for just doing... Doing what he has to do. Doing what he has to do. And if that means he's got to come in and throw a few bumpers, he throws a few bumpers. It means he's got to nag away back of a length on fourth stump. He'll nag away back of a length on fourth stump. He's just... Yeah, it was... Yeah. Like... And he's, he waved to me the other day, so... I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Vit smitten. Oh, yeah. 
And do you like, guys reckon they have to make the call and pick green? Because I, I, I definitely. I know I was uh, calling for caution for green, probably. You know, I say was a couple I, of months ago. I remember saying we didn't need but, to rush him in, but now he's he's ready and he's scoring runs. I I don't see that there's any better time. I I, I just I would like to see him in, but I I'm not going to pull. I don't think we need to pick him mm. because I think Wade and Head being in the middle order are, are very good. Um, but that being said, if they do pick him, like he's mm. he's certainly showing he's the world, he's showing the world that he's earned that. The thing is, too, like he's likely to have to bat in the middle order, and I don't think Wade or Head have done anything to deserve being dropped. So that's going to be mm. quite a conundrum for Australia because I do think, you know, he could have a very long, very successful, almost callous esque career if you get him in early yeah. enough. He could put up just some startling numbers with terms of runs and wickets that he takes. Could quite possibly, you know, there's every possibility that in, you know, 20 years' time, we're talking about Cameron Green yeah. in the same way we're talking about uh, guys like Harvey and. No, I think. I'm picking him. I'm making the call. I so that was my next point. Who makes way for Cameron Green? Uh, uh, Travis Head. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I would drop yeah. Travis Head as well. Yeah. And reluctantly drop Travis Head. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't I don't get this. Uh you know we've got to we've got to keep keep up appearances and, and, and look after people's feelings and stuff. This is the Australian cricket team. You pick the best quality that you've got, the, the best person for the job. And, an yeah, all, and an, there's no one can say that an all-rounder does not immediately improve the balance of your side. Yeah. He, he doesn't – from the looks of things, he's been one of the most successful shield batsmen in the last two seasons. Mm. He's not giving anything away with the bat. That's Yeah, I mean, that's not to say that, you know – Travis Head just gets completely forgotten or anything like that. He's still there. Absolutely not. Travis, like, Travis f- you really haven't done anything wrong. It's just that this kid has done everything right. Yep. And, that's, that's, that's and he's had a – I know that he's you know, he captain the Australian A side and he was the vice captain of the test side and, and a lot and of people – Everybody was the vice captain yeah, at one point. That was ridiculous, wasn't it? <laughs> and everyone's going to be like, what about Wade and da 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 and Travis Head scored a three million runs this year for South Australia. The thing I still don't like about – Travis Head, which was his dismissal in the first innings of the Australia A game, which just really typifies Travis Head's game. He's brilliant, but he's careless. Mm. And, like, he's the captain of the side. You've lost both openers for nothing, and then you lose Marcus Harris. Like, he's in there. You're rebuilding. You've only... I think his wicket was the stroke of lunch. So you're nearly at lunch, and he goes and plays at this wide rubbish ball, chops on for a start. It's like, no, no, that's not what we want from you, Travis. You need to do better. Like if if it's and one he, if it's one for a hundred, and he's going for that shot, that's fine. Yeah, but you've got to play the situation, especially. And I just don't if think you're a middle he order does player. that. And yeah. he's and he's shown it's not a one off. He's shown so many times, especially in that. Um, that Indian series, the last tour, that he – how many times was he caught at third man and places yeah. like that? Yeah. And then there was another one. Was it Sri Lanka or was it India? I, don't, I think it might have been Sri Lanka um, where they set two guys in front of square. It was an obvious trap to get him driving on the up and they pitched out wide and he just – it was like three balls later and he's just hit it to one of those guys. And it's like that is an obvious plan to get you out. Mm. You need to be better than this. Yeah. And he's – what, he's 26, he's got a test average of 40. I'm by no means suggesting that he's rubbish and he shouldn't be in the side. 
I think I have Wade in front because I like what Wade brings. He's a little bit more dynamic. He's your backup yeah. keeper. He's, you know, he's forced his way back into the side on the weight of just a heap of runs in shield. Matt, we're not picking you unless you're batting in the top four. So he bats at three for Tasmania, and he's made, what, five or six shield hundreds over the last couple of years, got his way back into the side, scored a couple of hundreds in the ashes. Yeah, He's in his... You know, it, it is close, though. It is very, it, very close. It's not an obvious one. It is very, very close. And I think the natural progression is from there, a couple of years, maybe even next year, seeing how things go. If Wade doesn't sort of keep that form afloat, then he comes back in for Matthew Wade. Yeah. You know, instead of 25, he comes in at 27. And then yeah. you you get a bit out of the, the wily veteran. And, and, I, and I think that it could be a bit of a, a double-edged sword, but... You know, Neil Wagner came in against us and really got into us and bowled those bounces, and we were sort of like, I really don't want to get out to a guy that bowls 125 kilometer per hour bounces, and they were very accurate, and we sort of just let him do it to us, and Wade was sort of that, you know, plucky, tough, wore a couple, hooked a couple, wore a few more, hooked a few more, and just sort of really took it to him, and I think that's something that we could really benefit in the middle order of things going well, just that sort of dynamic sort of... Yobbo. Change the <laughs> change the flow of the game in a session sort of player. Yeah, um, yeah I completely yeah. agree. Um, that being said, if they go that way of picking green and drop Wade, I'm not going to go and flip out. I no. think it's very much a coin flip. I would personally um, let Travis Head go back and keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, Wade is – by the same token, he's in his, what, 32? Uh, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think – I think more I likely. I think Green will have to wait. Yeah, I think Green will miss out. But I, I would put Green in now. Yeah, so would I. If you're not going to pick him, um, I, I honestly think the only this kind of form. The only thing that uh, Astra- that the selectors are going to worry about is who opens and his start coming back. Yeah, and that'll be it. If they're going to pick him, they need to pick him as a batsman and not a bowler or a bowler. You can't, you can't do. Oh, he's an all rounder. No, Green. Yeah, you pick him as a batsman or you pick him as a bowler. No, you pick him as an all-rounder. No, you pick him as one or the other. You no. can't pick him as an all-rounder. Well, why not? Well, we could, well, it's his first – it'll be his first test for Australia. Yeah. If you pick him as an all-rounder, he scores 40 with the bat, the bat and takes one wicket. That's well, you, Batting at six, you get 40 out of six and a wicket as your fifth option. That's He's had a great game. Yeah, he has had a great game. But 90% of the public doesn't realise that's a great game. That's right. You don't let public opinion pick the Australian cricket team. Are you serious? You don't. No, you don't. I'm not saying... Otherwise, Sean Marsh would be playing. Exactly. (laughs) Um, He's what he is. He's an all-rounder. He's picked as a batsman, primarily a top six batsman. Your job is to score runs for Australia, and we want you as the fifth bowling option to go at an economy of under three, do a job, rest our quicks, snag a wicket or two. Yeah, but I I think I think it's fair to say that he should be retaining his place as a batsman. Yes. Yeah. Keep the average above 40. He just needs to come in, do a job with the bat and bowl anywhere between 5 and 15 overs in an innings. Yeah. And not be gar- and not be garbage. And that and yeah. And he's done his job, so. So uh shall we say which openers we're going to pick? On I mean, the proviso that well, Pukowski... Warner is out. We know Warner, Warner is out. Yeah. On the proviso that Pukowski is healthy, yeah. at the moment, most of me is saying Harrison Pukowski, yeah. but I do want to give Burns a benefit of the doubt as the incumbent. 
So it's really tough. You know, you want to you back your players to do the job for their country. So at the moment, gun to my head, I would say Burns and Bukowski are the openers, if Bukowski is okay. healthy. But that's that's a really big I'm, – I'm backing the yeah. boys because and if he's, he's in the side. And if he's not healthy, you'd have to go for – Harrison Har- Burns. Harrison Burns, yeah. So if, if it would be good if uh, – Statistically speaking, you should be picking Bukowski and Harris. They should be the openers, but – Let's be realistic. Langer is all about breeding a culture. He's all about player loyalty. He's all about backing his guys to do a job. So it's probably going to be Burns. <laughs> so, so even if he does, if he, he brings in Burns, Pekoski, make it a, a, a like a, a, a curtain call for him. Whoever scores the most runs gets the uh, rest of the series. I guess we'll have to. Uh, uh, if you get, if you're going to pick whichever openers you pick for game one, have to be there for the New Year's test. You can't give them one test and piss them off for Boxing Day. Yeah, but if they've got to get through. Unless unless they're really bad, like I'm talking, like King Pear, mm. just looking oh, awful. If, when if Warner comes back for Boxing Day, which he's, he's supposed to, mm. um, you can't have both of them. I suppose that's true. Um, well, I suppose in that case, so it, it is it'd, a stopgap. <sighs> yeah, it'd be it'd come down to. Well, I'd like to say Bukowski should be the one that's there, but in all seriousness, I think unless one of them drastically outperforms the other, it'll probably be Burns because I'll back Burns to... I'd like to see him go out there and score 100. Yeah, so do I. Like, we love Joe Burns. We were furious that Joe Burns wasn't picked for the Ashes. It's just really hard to make a case for him considering he's just been so woefully out of form and it hasn't even looked like scoring a run. So, like I said, it should be the first test. The first test should be Bukowski and Harris, provided Bukowski's healthy. Mm. But being a little bit realistic and having treating the fact that they're not machines, they're people, having a bit of faith in the guy that's been there and done the job and scored several test hundreds for Australia, yeah. I think Burns will be one of them mm-hmm. and Bukowski is healthy will be the other. That is my pick for the openers. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, I think... Yeah, I'd probably go with that too. So, yeah, do I, I just do think, you think pick green? Do you pick green? Yep. And I would also pick green. So do, green. do we think that green is going? I would to be also picked? pick Cameron. I mean, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Do we think that green will get picked for the first test? Well, if we think, I don't think no, no, he no, will. No, no, no. I don't think he will. Don't think he will. Do you think that Langer will pick green for the first test? No. And I don't think he will either. <laughs> <laughs> so we just spoke about that for 45 minutes. Yeah. And it was, Well, yeah. why would they listen to us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, well, Langer's yeah. made it pretty clear that his plan was the last start 11 will be given the first, the first crack at India. Yeah. which means that there won't be many changes. So uh, the only changes I think they'll make will be force changes. So it'll be yeah. replacing Warner replacing and potentially Stark. replacing Stark, depending on Stark's availability. I haven't heard anything about him missing, so I believe that he'll there's be there. been some uh, understanding between Cricket Australia and Mitchell Stark that he'll be back for the test because there hasn't been anything blowing up all over social media about Stark being ruled out. So I would imagine that that's not going to be something I have to worry about. But if it is, mm-hmm. I think it should be Nisa. But, yeah, I think that's all that's going to really change will be yeah, who's opening? I don't think we'll see see Cameron Green yeah. the, at oh, least yeah. for the first test. Maybe for the MCG if the um if the pitch is looking like it's going to be a road, they might want the extra bowling option. But if there's a dead rubber later on, they might look to blood him too. Yeah, possibly. Hmm. I doubt it though. 
Yeah. Langer's doesn't really Langer, like Langer Langer has, has had an attitude of not just handing out baggy greens mm. cheaply. Well, he, so, he was from that time when you had too. to bloody earn them. That's mm. a good idea. I mean, and also uh, World Test Championships. Mm. Dead rubbers actually count now. Yeah. So, so uh, I can't imagine that it'll just be, oh, well, the series is done and dusted. Let's give these guys a bit of a go. It'll be... Oh, the Burrigas second 11s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we know that one was a bit of a marathon rather than a sprint, but we are finally done for this week. Um, we are very much looking forward to the first test starting yep. starting next week. Um, so, oh, I don't know, what are we going to talk about next week? The next Recon we record will be just before the start of the test. We um, well, well, I suppose we'll talk about the pink ball, the pink ball game. Yep. Maybe get our predictions for the series once everything's starting to look oh, a yeah. little more and, in line. And Maybe do a quiz. There'll be BBL by then. Yeah. Then there'll be BBL, and then we can we, we can cry about how our months of planning for our super coach teams leading up to round one were yeah. all dashed by yeah. the fact we made the wrong choices, and we just want to just yeah. drive nails through our hands and start again. Pretty much. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I do this every year for fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really good with the rugby league. Not so much. You're not cricket. good with the rugby league. <laughs> I'm, I'm great at picking a team, but I'm not great at making sure those players are playing that weekend. <laughs> like, what happened to that guy? Oh, he broke his leg about three months ago. Where were you? I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with that too. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Um, thank you for putting up with my well, our rant. We all sort of got stuck in on that one. Yeah. Um, and if you've made it through all. In, well, you know, all of this podcast, you've done well because it's one of our longer ones. So uh, thank you all. We'll talk to you next week and bye for now. See you guys. Bye. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network.